The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Super Speedway. My second year was off a little bit all day on restarts, so I was getting jumps, but then the 22 just went like a whole car length before the restart zone, so... I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you get away with that. I thought we were supposed to go in the box. Welcome to episode 111 of the Super Speedway Podcast, recorded Wednesday, June 12, 2019. I'm your host, Eric Young. I am joined, as always, by my co-host James Cush. James Martin Truex Jr. said Joey Logano jumped the start. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit here. <laughs> Joey Logano owns Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> Those two, man. I'll I don't know you. what their deal is, man. They, well, I, I guess I, I mean, we do know what their deal is, but Joey Logano has <laughs> been getting the best of that dude for a good year at this point. He has so. been a thorn in Martin Truex Jr. side. That is for sure. And Joey was a thorn in everybody's side this weekend at the Firekeepers Casino 400, Michigan International Speedway. I guess I can't say this weekend because Monday is not technically the weekend. It was for NASCAR this weekend, though. Okay. Um, Joey Logano gets the win and I, as prepared as I was today with all the audio, I don't have the results up in front of me, but he led <laughs> yeah. all like 26, 163 laps led. Yeah. Uh, it was your stage one winner. So he collected six playoff points on his way to routing the field. <laughs> Even with that last restart, um, that Martin was kind of complaining about there. He, uh, there was nobody touching Joey. I, I thought, uh, Kevin Harvick looked like. Um, he was going to be a threat there for a little bit, but that pit stop really kind of screwed everything up for the four car. So Harvick was um, the one guy that could pass Joey out front. So here's the thing. And we are probably going to be all over the place because I've got different audio clips that I want to get to. And it, it would probably be a little bit different feel tonight than it's been in the past. Um, but there was, there was a lot of talk and I've seen a lot of mixed responses about this, the aero package at Michigan. And again, we're going to get to some of it a little bit later, what the drivers thought of it, but it, there was there. I heard people complaining that nobody could pass the leader. Nobody could pass the leader. Well, that's not true because the leader was passed consistently when it wasn't Joey Logano in the lead. So I don't know. And I was going to ask Joey to, after the race, but I know how Joey's going to answer it. So I didn't bother with it <laughs> is whether a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whether the reason that it was hard to pass was because Jimmy John or because Jimmy Johnson, because Joey Logano was so good or if it was because of the Euro package, I don't think it was the Euro package because you could pass everywhere else. And like I said, Harvick got out front. Harvick passed Joey was the only guy who could do it. Harvick was of course passed and anybody else who got in lead, albeit they didn't get in there very long, but they were passed. So I think Joey was just that good. I personally. Yeah. That's my first initial reckoning. My first view of it is that, yeah, Joey had a piece that was just too good for everybody else. Uh, but then part of me is like, well, we've kind of been seeing this from week to week. True. Still, still, if that leader gets out there, it's very hard to pass. This might be the extreme opposite example of, man, the guy's got a great car and it's a little bit hard to pass. So, uh, you know, we're still we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the package tonight, I think. Yeah. But we're still working our way through this thing. But it's not. You know, one of the consistent things is the dang Penske cars are really fast and they proved it again on Monday night with with the way Joey was running. I mean, he just was flat out dominant. Yep. Yep. 
definitely a Ford weekend too. We had seven of the top 10 in the, at the start were Fords. Um, quite a few Fords in, in the finishing order. Of course, Kurt Busch got second with the, with the Chevrolet, Martin Truex Jr. Third with the Toyota, but a lot of Fords in the top 10 at the end. Yep. Six out of your top 10 are Fords. Yep. 60%. So, um, Let's let's get into the meat of it a little bit. Uh, one of the, I, I got a chance to ask Joey during the race. Um, if, for those of you who haven't been following us, I actually was at the race this weekend. Got to experience it. Got to ask a bunch of drivers questions. We'll talk a little bit later about the media access um, now compared to last year and previous years for NASCAR. It's, it was great. So Joey in the post race press conference. Well, first of all, during the race, I flipped over to his radio a couple times, and I the, I ended up on it at one point during a restart. And realized that my radio wasn't scanning; it was staying on the channel because TJ Majors, his spotter, was not ta- stopping talking long enough to let it scan to the next driver. So I just clicked off and, and listened to Joey's radio for a little bit. And I heard it at times with other drivers, but nobody liked Joey Logano's. And so Joey would be out front; there'd be the three cars behind him, and all the way around the track, TJ is telling him where those cars are, what they're doing, where he should be. TJ was driving the car probably as much as Joey was. And so I got a chance to ask Joey in the post-race press conference how big of a deal that was, what uh, what um, TJ Majors meant to him for the win. A big amount. Yeah, really big amount. Uh, he's he's great. He's a great spotter. We were uh, fortunate to be able to work with him. Um, you know, and then that chemistry that we have uh, when we're on the radio, I know what he's saying. I know what it means. Um, you know, there's, there's some lingo that goes along with that. It just took us some time to figure it all out, but... Um, you know, I can really pretty much close my eyes and know what's going on. You know, I can re-listen to the race and know exactly what was happening um, without seeing it. And that's his job, right? He's a visual communication expert, <laughs> is what I say. And he's, uh, he does a dang good job at it. So, um, yeah, super important to, to get all that information of what's going on around me, um, you know, whether it's, you know, under caution, telling me what has happened on other restarts, um, what's going on uh, as far as cars behind me in the moment, um, even sometimes what's going on in front of you. Cause you can't see much. You get these big spoilers on it. Remember when you're tucked up right on somebody, you can't see through the car to see what's going on in front of that person. So when you're tucked up tight onto another car in front of you, he's spotting in front of me uh, what's happening there. So there's just so much. He said he went through three batteries today. He, he probably did. Uh, he, he was definitely on that button a lot. Three batteries for TJ Majors. Time to Joey. It was a restrictor plate race. I mean, essentially, that's what the the audio was like. It was, you know, I've had the chance to be at Daytona and listen to the scanner at Daytona. And when you go to a track like Daytona or Talladega and you use the scanner, and I use that in air quotes, it's hard to scan because you get stuck on a radio and you don't scan to the next one because they don't stop talking. And that was the case there for, for Joey and TJ. It was really interesting. Yeah, it makes sense when you think about it. You know, Joey winning this race and and TJ, you know, TJ may be the best spotter in the business and and Joey definitely I you know, I think he's the second best restrictor plate driver yeah. um going right now. So, uh you know, when when you've got that kind of a system in place and these guys have been at it, this is uh this is their second year together, right? TJ came over when Dale retired. Yep, exactly. Dale Jr. retired. So, I mean, they've got a, you know, obviously they've got a championship already under their belt, but they're, you know, building that repertoire between each other, which is, you know, kind of dangerous when you think about it with, you know, if these guys continue to get better, um, it, it's a good, it's good teamwork. You know, we've, we've seen success at restrictor plates and, you know, everything else that these guys are doing. So I'm um, pretty cool that, that Joey, uh, 
was kind of giving him a you know a bunch of credit. I mean, it's well deserved. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk winners and losers on the day, James. Um, we got, uh, I'd say, probably the biggest loser on the day, Clint Boyer, um, gets caught up in a wreck in turn two, finishes 35th out of 36 cars. Um, Clint was not happy after the race. He was not the the jovial Clint, uh, Clint Boyer. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but uh, Claire B had some audio on her on her uh, show, and uh, he just wasn't pleased. He was complaining about the aero package, and again, we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> Clinton, yeah, Clinton wasn't thrilled. Yeah. Um, I don't blame Yeah, and you can't blame him. Yeah. He was pretty mad. That was kind of a rough day for Eric Jones, who was kind of yeah. involved in that whole thing. And he was running pretty good. He had a great, uh, you know, he finished third in the first stage. Uh, looked like, I and mean, I think he was your pick last week too. So I was yeah, kind was, of, you know, thinking, he was my pick last week. He, both him and Brad Keselowski, I did a story on the website, uh, the superspeedway.com, um, talking about what they would think of winning at Michigan. Got a chance to really look at their stats. And, you know, Eric Jones has a high average finish at Michigan, but it really is because of one race where he finished like sixth and every mm-hmm. other race, he's only run, well, this is, was his fifth race at Michigan in the cup series, but yeah. the other races he was in, you know, the twenties or 16th or whatever he was, he was not in the top 10 in the other races, but both him and Keselowski were on it. I mean, they were right there at the front early in yeah. the race and at different times during the race and course eric crashed at the end bring out the last caution um or spun with a flat tire at the end and mm-hmm. had his issues like you mentioned with clint boyer as well um brad keselowski another one he ran really well had the had a pit road penalty where i believe that was the one where his crew member accidentally touched the asphalt or touched concrete again trying to control a tire and that cost him a lap no no yep yeah and so but he was able to battle back to sixth which was really impressive like we were down there down there interviewing him on pit road and had to look up at the board and go, Holy cow, he was sixth place. Where did he come from? Cause he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't even a factor for most of the day because of that penalty. So Dan, those dang Penske cars, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. Exactly. Ford, it, was a, it was a Ford weekend or well, Ford Monday, I should say, right. but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> real fast. Austin Dillon, another one I want to mention, Austin led seven laps, got himself up front at one point in the race, but he had trouble and, and crashed yeah, hit the wall. Yeah, yeah. With the most beautiful car, that car was the best looking car this weekend at Michigan. By far, very similar to the the. Yep, nice little throwback to yep. Dale Earnhardt. The uh, Atlanta car. The, yep, the '96 uh, All Star race. Yep. yep, yep. So that was cool to see. Um, let's see who else we really. Jimmy Johnson comes home 15th. He was nothing all day. Two mishaps on pit road cost him. It's two weeks in a two weeks in a row. He's been just blue. I thought he was yeah. kind of building momentum, but he's been. He, they were out to lunch at Pocono and then another bad day at Michigan. Well, in Pocono, he mentioned we got to talk to him on Friday and they found a part that was and they talk. See, he wouldn't talk about it in the media center. He just said they found a mechanical issue at Pocono that was likely a large part of their cause, of their problem. But he wouldn't elaborate on what it was. On Sunday morning, we got to talk to Kevin Mendering and Kevin elaborated a little bit more, but really wouldn't say much about it. And then I believe it was Larry McReynolds said on the Fox broadcast, he explained a little bit more. It had something to do with the track bar. There's a thing that allows them to essentially make track bar adjustments or wedge adjustments faster. So you kind of skip threads. So it threads in quicker. So less turns will make a bigger adjustment and something malfunctioned there to where I believe they were going the wrong direction on it. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. And so that was something that they figured out. It was not a Hendrick wide thing. It was just a Jimmy Johnson issue. And they figured that out. And now that's not an issue. So that was a lot to do with Pocono. 
Mm-hmm. So one of those things you learn at the track that probably nobody else really heard much about. Yeah. Little <laughs> so. snake, little snake bit. I guess yep. the last two weeks. Yep, exactly. Uh, let's see. Anybody else uh, worth mentioning in as far as winners and losers, James? I thought uh, Daniel Hemmer came away with a nice run. Um, that's a that's a great run for him in twelfth. Yep. That that stands out to me. Uh, another top ten for Ryan Newman, who was trying to fight people on the radio. Right. And <laughs> I, for you know those Roush cars, man, they're good at the big tracks. Mm-hmm. They you know like they're not going to win races, but I mean they're in the hunt. So yep. another good top ten for him. Daniel um, Suarez is just kind of floating around. He finishes fourth. Yeah, it's a good day he's for him. Good, he's good at Michigan. He's yeah. got a history of winning there in the in the Xfinity series. So that's uh. That's a nice day for him. Another one worth um, mentioning, Kevin Harvick. So Harvick, we talked about, was one of the better cars. He he led, uh, let's see, the second most laps on the day with 15. Motorsports Analytics had him as the fastest car at the track. He was. I mean, he came through the field a couple times. Yeah. He had the loose wheel, which I never was able to figure out if he actually had a loose wheel or not, because he thought he had a loose wheel after that and pitted again under caution. And turned out he didn't. And so he kind of, he may have cost himself something that he didn't need to cost himself. But from my understanding, it was a loose wheel the first time. And they, then the second time it wasn't. And they were really frustrated on the yes. radio again. It, not so well, much Harvick chewing out his pit crew, but just more frustration uh, with the situation, I think, than anything. It's just that it, they feel like they should be winning these races. And they're, and there's a lot. Now they're starting to pile up where they're not. And that's not sealing the deal. I was talking to Kurt Bush post race and Harvick came over and I was going to get Harvick right after. And by the time I went over to Harvick, he was gone already. I'm like, man, he must've been quick. And then I listened to his interview with Claire B. Lang on her show on my way home and figured out why, because Harvick was in Kyle Bush mode where he just would refuse to answer anybody's questions. His, he would give one word answers yeah. and that was it. Yeah. So yeah, he was not happy. I don't blame him. I mean, when you got, you let as many get away as in the, in the history of him in that four car, They've let more races get away than I think anybody in the sport. Yeah, can you because, imagine how many wins he'd have if he didn't if they oh didn't throw God. so many away? I mean, last they season was like that too. So many races, despite away. the fact that he was so good last season, they threw so many races away. Yeah, that team has thrown more races away. They've won maybe one third of the races they could have won. Yeah, by the, I think by the right. of, I don't. I haven't looked at the data, but man, it seems like it's almost every week yep. they throw something. They throw it away, or they throw it away and still manage to win a race because we've yeah. seen them do that too. Yeah, the only time they really had it all together was 2014. And even that season, that his championship season, they, there were times where he could have won races that got out of the, got away from him. Yeah. Um, Kurt Busch comes home with a second-place finish. Uh, he talked a little bit after the race about the fact that the, the Michigan track is quite a bit different now. And he had a plan before the, that final caution with Eric Jones as to how he was going to win this race. Well, we had so many new variables, uh, and I think the package really provided uh, a unique experience for the drivers, for the fans, for everybody watching. I mean, it was just, it was a whole different Michigan. That was the tightest I ever pulled my belts at the end. I was going to push the 19 through the 22. That was my other plan. (laughs) Didn't work out. (laughs) So he was willing to wreck some people to come to the win, which he's already said this this year he was going to wreck his brother at Bristol to win. I kind of believe Kurt that he'll be willing to drive through somebody if he has to. Kurt, Kurt's having fun again. <laughs> He's, you know, and I, I was listening to uh, to Claire B talking about him on on the way home. I pretty much listened to Claire B for like the hour after I was on my way home from the race, and a lot of talk about how he's he's basically said that he may sign with Ganassi next year. He's interested in signing with Ganassi again next year, but he's also talking to Ganassi 
about running in sports cars or IndyCar or something. He's just having yeah, he a good time. To... He's he's at the end of his career and he's just going to have some fun. I'm telling you, man, I if I was him, I would try to ride this thing out for at least a couple more seasons. He right now is the best he has ever run in the Cup Series. Yeah. A nine nine point seven average finish is by far his his best. Uh, and, and that's and I know that's only through 15 races and a lot can happen. But man, he is outperforming the equipment he's under. Well, and he's going to win. He's going to eventually win. I, you know, I don't want to give too much away for we're going to talk about Sonoma, <laughs> but um, that dude's going to be dangerous at Sonoma. Yeah, really dangerous at Sonoma. I think he's if I if I were a betting man, I'd like to I'd probably like his odds over anybody. I else. didn't even think about Kurt Busch at Sonoma. That's interesting. I know you're going to you might steal it from me. I don't know. Who's no, got I first pick. You have do yourself have down pick? as first pick. So oh, I, thank God. OK, I, I, well, yeah, I did. I went I, through it. Yeah, I took it last okay. week. So. All right. Good. Yeah. Yeah, to keep that pick. That's okay because actually I wasn't gonna pick Kurt, so that works. <laughs> that works. I have my pick ready. I, I'm ready for for Sonoma. Ready for everything today. So here was the big conversation, and I don't think it was as big of a conversation after the race as it should have been. The big question was: We heard in the intro, Martin Truex Jr. said Joey jumped the start, jumped the restart at the final restart. I posted a video yesterday on Twitter, and I will make sure it's in the show notes as well. The the, the tweets embedded in the show notes. Because I recorded the final restart from Pit Road, and Joey went about a car length and a half before he hit the zone. So, again, question, did Joey jump the restart? Kyle Busch, he says he did. 22 may or may not have jumped the restart just a little bit, and uh, got out and got clear, and pretty monotone after that, if you ask me. So, Kurt Busch was asked uh, about Joey jumping the restart. Here's what he had to say. Logano knew he had to go early, and that was that was his best chance to uh, score ahead of of the 19, and that's that's what changed the complexion of the race. That's what I would have done if I was in his position. And Matt Weaver, God bless him, decided he would ask uh, Joey in the post race press conference if he jumped a restart. Well, I, I was able to see it right in front of me. I hit it when I got there. <laughs> had a good start though, wasn't it? That was a good one. That one felt good. <laughs> Rubbing it in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so James, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. TV didn't have a good view of it. From of what I did. saw, they yeah. didn't show it. Yep. Um, I think he jumped the start. Whether they should have called it or not, that's another story. But I think he jumped the start. If it's close enough to where you can either make the call or not make the call, if it's that close, let him race. It man. was it's pretty racing. far, man. I don't know, man. It if, was a big was, jump. You, they have a that, zone. If it was that egregious, I feel like NASCAR would have made the call. They I don't always, think NASCAR I, had a good angle on it. NASCAR always makes the jumping the restart call. I feel like they always make Whoa. that call. If it was Kyle Busch up front, they'd have made that call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that would have been fan service, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was close enough to let it go. I, he was probably early, but I mean, there's early and there's early. Yeah. And just, he might have been a little early. That's my That was my view of it. But again, I'm not sitting in the car with those guys and of course, all of his competitors, whether he jumped it or not, they're going to, you know, they're going to give it a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, of a push that oh, he yeah, jumped. Of that course, start. of course. But, I mean, it's going to do them, do them more service than anything. What do you think of Joey's cheeky response? I love that. <laughs> I love that. So every once in a while, Joey has a little bit of uh, a gamesmanship in him. And that was that. That's what that sounded like to me. I like that. I like cocky Joey. It yeah, doesn't happen real often. often. No, so I'm just going to say he doesn't do that enough. Yeah. Any more of that. 
Yeah, he's got. He's, good. I mean, he's the champ now. He he can be as cocky as he wants. And Nobody's... this guy has got such a good personality. He needs to just let it shine. I mean, it, oh, it's man. a great personality. Yeah, I know he, and he's so goofy. Yeah, he's he's a weirdo. I mean, he's a noted weirdo, <laughs> right. and uh, I just like it that he's got. I mean, this guy is actually an athlete. We we forget, you know, he's kind of a nerd, but he's an athlete. Yep, yep. Um, so let's talk about the Arrow package and how it performed at Michigan. Um, uh, before we discuss that, James and our opinions on it, I want to run through a little bit more audio. I know I've been blasting you guys with audio. We got three more clips here to go through. So Stop, this man. is, um, first of all, we all know what Kyle Bush thinks of the package. Am I a positive person? So we know he's not a fan of the package. So nobody you added asked. That, you add that to the list of quick buttons. That is in the quick buttons, man. Am I a positive person? Oh, what is that? The, <laughs> is that the third? Is that the third one on the list now or fourth? Uh, that is the second driver quote we have also. Jimmy it's all a lot of these tracks. Yeah. So. And then we've got, <laughs> we've got slide. Oh, yeah. There too. yeah. Those are in there. So there we go. So Kyle's in there. Anytime we talk about Kyle, we're going to, am I a positive person? So, um, so if nobody asked Kyle about the package, everybody avoided asking about the package this weekend, but some other drivers were asked about the package. And yeah. one of the good questions was from Dustin Long from NBC who asked Brad Keselowski about it because last year at this very race, Brad Keselowski essentially said that if NASCAR goes to this package, it's going to take, it's going to neuter the drivers. It's going to take them out of the equation and it's going to cause them to want to look somewhere else to race because these are the best drivers in the world and they want to be able to showcase their talents and they can't do it with that package. Well, he backtracked a little bit this year on it and kind of didn't really give a straight on answer. This is what he had to say. It's definitely different. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit more of a, a chess match than it was just, uh, you know, probably more or less the, the raw talent phase, but, now, I haven't put a lot of thought into that as of late, to be honest with you, Dustin, because the reality is the rules are what the rules are. Um, and I feel like I can spend a lot of time and energy really digesting my thoughts and all that stuff, Dustin. The reality is um, I'm not going to be able to change it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is, and it's, it's my responsibility slash uh, opportunity to maximize our performance within whatever given rules are out there. So I don't know if I have a, a great answer for you because I haven't really, and nor do I want to, digested uh, or reflected upon the differences all that deeply because uh, I feel like I've just kind of entered a mode of this is what it is, either get happy with it or find something else to do, and I really don't want to do something else. Uh, I want to win another championship, and I want to win races like this one. And I don't want to waste uh, any of my brain space that I have available, which is very limited, <laughs> uh, thinking about um, things I can't change. So that's what Brad has to say about the package. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, we had to, had a little scrum with him, got a chance to ask him some questions, and somebody asked him what he thought about the package. Are you happy with this new package? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, we haven't won yet, so I'm not happy. <laughs> so Jimmy doesn't like it because he hasn't won, but... I thought was interesting that he was really quick to give an answer that no, he, he was like really it. fast. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and to me, Brad reading between the lines, Brad's not happy with the package, right? Not happy with the way the cars drive, but he's got a legit chance at a championship. Yep. So he can't really dog it too hard. I mean, he's, he's one of the top five best cars out there. So right. that's uh, my thought. We documented clip Boyer. Clip Boyer hates it. He says, um, so Kurt Busch, I haven't heard his stance on it overall. 
but uh, he liked it at Michigan. Oh my gosh, it was just insane with the draft and how different everything was. Um, you know, with Truex and I teaming up, we were reeling in Logano, and it was going to be a heck of a show before that yellow came out. Huge draft, huge difference today. Did you did you like that? Was it fun? Oh, it was awesome. I, yeah. I was elbows out. I had damage in my car and brought her home second. So the question, I have two questions. One, what do we think of the package at Michigan? Let's just look at Michigan. What do we think of what we saw at Michigan on Monday? James, you watched it on TV. I got to watch it in person. And then aside from that, do we care? Does it matter whether the drivers like it? So first, what do you think of the pack, the, the package at Michigan? I mean, this is one of those races where I, I, I go back and forth on this thing every dang week. <laughs> it, it's got promise. That's for sure. It, it's shown the promise, but I just feel like Michigan underachieved again um, with the rules package. I, you know, and maybe at the track, it's a little bit different where you can watch a little bit more of the mid, you know, it could be the TV coverage versus the in-track experience. Right. Um, but still, to me, it just doesn't have that. It's t- it's tough to judge at Michigan. I'm really having a hard time <laughs> with it because Michigan, Michigan in, in normal conditions can be kind of boring. Um, just get the field gets strung out from time to time. And right. Uh, it comes down to fuel mileage and things like that. This race did not have that, and it was better in, in that regard. Uh, the late race caution, all, all, you know, was going to help any time. Um, I don't think it did. I think the late race caution ruined. Yeah, the race. in this in this instance with with uh, the 19 kind of chasing the 22 down. Yeah, you might you may be right there. Yeah, I think um, I think they had something for Joey at the end, and I think but, the fact I th- I don't think I think with this package, it's like a restrictor plate race in that two yeah. laps isn't enough anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it's just what. Yeah, I, I am so conflicted still. I, I really I want to give you a great answer, and I just <laughs> don't have it because, you know, it's it, it, I still in my heart go all the way back to taking the horsepower away from these guys and taking some of that drivability out of the cars. I'm never going to like that. I can be entertained at times, but part of me still feels the. Uh, I, I still feel like. Um, something I, I'm something's being taken away from me as a fan at that point. Yeah, I'm not getting to see the the talent that these guys possess, and and as for the drivers liking it or not, drivers are going to be politicking no matter what they no matter what the situation. If um, you know if they're good like Brad Keselowski, yeah, Brad's not going to say too much. But if you're uh, Jimmy Johnson, you're struggling, you want to you want to be better. Yeah, Jimmy's obviously he doesn't like it. Right. So there's the politics going back and forth there. So, and, and I, you know, we've, we've talked on this podcast plenty of times and, and I know that you, you're like, I don't care if the drivers like it or not. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly and, and what that, I was going to say, I'm yeah, actually happy no, I, that they don't like it. Yeah. And, and that's fine that they don't like it. I just, you know, I go back to, I want to see the skills of these guys and I, you know, I feel like I do miss out on that. I don't think you do. I think you still see the skills. So here's my opinion on Michigan. So when I watch the race sitting there about, halfway through the race, three quarters of the way through the race. I'm sitting there watching the race and I'm like, okay, we, we had this hope that we're going to see some of this pack racing. We're going to see three wide and four wide. And, and we didn't even see that as much on the restarts as we were expecting. It wasn't as wild as Kansas was on restarts. It wasn't as wild as Charlotte was on restarts. It was definitely more spread out. There was double file racing. There was occasional three wide on the front stretch, but there wasn't as much. And then you'd watch a guy make a pass and he'd get three quarters of the way past the car and it wouldn't stick. And then he'd lose three spots because of it. And 
and, and it ended up being a single file race and the field was strung out a little bit. And so I'm thinking, you know, I want to get behind this, but I just can't quite do it. And then I started to really think about it and I started to watch it and try and pay attention to what I was seeing. There was one point, the, the, the furthest leader was in front of second place during that race was leading up to that final caution before Truex and, and Kurt Busch started working together to track him down. And the furthest it was, was what? 10 car lengths. That's it. They were close the whole race and no, they weren't passing the leader. And again, we can argue whether that was the package or whether it was Joey, but we don't see a ton of lead, cha lead changes at Michigan often. And often it's because the leader is way out ahead. Well, now you could work together with somebody. You could track somebody down. Um, the fact that they were closing in on the end, setting up for a great finish, I think was a real testament. And unfortunately we didn't get to see it play out, but I think it was a testament of the package. And even when you looked at the field, yes, they got strung out still. Yes, they were single file, but we were coming to, we were 40, 50 laps into a race. We were almost at the end of a fuel run before we're hitting lap cars. Mm -hmm. And that's not like that at Michigan, Michigan, 10 laps into the race, you're hitting lap cars. They're so right. spread out, but there was never a point where there were more than like 10 or 15 car lengths between two cars ever. And mm -hmm. I like that. And there was another thing that I saw a lot at Michigan and I noted it in the tweets that I was posting during the race is there was a big rubber banding effect that happened and you, cars would spread out and then they'd scrunch back together and then they'd spread out and they'd scrunch back together because of the aero package. And am I saying it's perfect? No, it's far from perfect. Um, there's definitely improvements that need to be made. I think if we look at that sport, that splitter that they ran at the all-star race, I think that will help. It looked like it helped at the all-star race. It definitely looked like it made it easier to pass the leader. Um, I have no problem with the reduced horsepower. I do think the throttle response is an issue and I think it is something they need to work on. Um, and I think, you know, we talked last week about the possibility of electric and hybrid coming into the picture. I think that fixes the problem with, with the pickup on the cars immediately, mm -hmm. if you can implement that somehow. And of course we're years off from that, a few years off from that yet, but I think that helps that problem. Um, and you can solve that easily with that and not have to put the horsepower back in the cars. But I thought it was the best Michigan race that I honestly couldn't sit back James and think of a Michigan race that was better than that one. We've seen some good races at Michigan. We've seen some great finishes at Michigan We've seen some great moments in races at Michigan, but to talk about a race from lap one to lap, what, 206, 203, whatever we ran, 203, I think. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a race at Michigan from lap one to lap whatever that was as good as that one overall. So I think it's a step in the right direction. I, again, don't think it's the end all be all, but I think it's a step yeah. in the right direction. As I said with the drivers, I'm yeah. glad they hate it. I want them to hate it. Yeah, they shouldn't well, I, have fun driving these cars. They should be difficult to drive. Right. No. And, and I think and then, you know, I think part of their frustration, too, is they're not having as much fun driving these cars. Yeah. Not as not so much that that I don't, I mean, it's more that they, you know, they want more control. They yeah. want to have more control over the cars. And well, I think that's where their frustration comes and in. And that's a good transition because we have an article in here from Matt Weaver. Uh, Matt, I, again, credit to Matt Weaver. He was, I think, at the IndyCar race. And when the race rained out till Monday, he flew in and arrived at the track, posted a picture on Twitter of him pulling into the US 12 gate where, to get his credentials, like as the cars were firing up to go on the track. So <laughs> awesome dedication from him to get out there and get yeah. to cover the race. Um, Matt wrote a column about 
essentially it being the, well, he calls it the, the unhappiest NASCAR season ever and talks about how a lot of the drivers and the teams are unhappy. And I got to experience this this weekend. A lot of them didn't talk about it, but you can definitely sense it. They're, they are very frustrated with what they're dealing with right now. And it's, a, it's an interesting piece. And I was ready to get all fired up as I was starting to read it. But as I read through mm-hmm. it, he does a really good job with it. It's good. It's balanced. He, he doesn't say that everybody's right for being pissed off, basically. He leaves it That's up to the fan to make is. that decision. Yep. Um, I think the biggest problem right now is I think NASCAR is too big of a democracy. I think there's been yeah. moments in our yeah. in the history of the sport where drivers have been unhappy with the packages. I can think of many times drivers throwing fits over restrictor plate packages when they put the wicker bills on the cars when Dale Earnhardt was killed a lot of drivers hated that package um they hated the the two two car tandem but we've gotten to this thing where all the drivers had a say and now they're backing off of that we've heard um Steve O'Donnell and we've heard I forget who the other guy was from NASCAR that was talking that we've started to pull back on the drivers council there's drivers talking that the drivers council may not be a thing anymore and Mm-hmm. I think now there's this these claws in the in the carpet panicking because oh my god we're starting to lose our control but with Jim France coming in there mm-hmm. we're starting to get back to that original NASCAR where it's this is the decision you guys and you're going to deal with it and I think yeah. the and only well, reason it's such a problem now is because it has been a democracy for the last 10 years mm-hmm. The biggest problem with the democracy debate to me you you didn't mention it and I wanted to make sure I had Yeah on this. no go for it. The biggest voice in the democracy that has been screaming are the fans right nascar has given too much power to what fans say and when mm-hmm. fans scream and shout nascar is always listening and always trying to tinker and tweak with things but yeah. i think you're right eric i i didn't even put that together until you said it and it starts it's starting to make sense to me too that jim is kind of trans slowly transitioning away from you know where we were even a year ago yeah you know but before Brian had his had his issues off the track, but that's a great point that you made. That um, you know, pulling back from that, uh, from the from all those from all that outside noise that's coming from everywhere, the team owners, the drivers, the fans, mm-hmm. you know, everybody who's, you know, and you know, we live in this online world where everybody's got a voice. I mean, shoot, mm-hmm. you and I get to talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> exactly. That's not something that NASCAR didn't have to deal with that type of stuff. Yep. Uh, you know, even 10 years, even 10 years ago. So, well, when, when um, they, when they started the race team Alliance, I, I screamed, man, I was so, there's been, you know, so many attempts in the history of NASCAR of unionizing and it wasn't a straight up union, but it was very similar. And that I hated that. I hated the, that thought. And then the driver's council it was awesome. The drivers are getting together and talking, but I don't want the drivers to get together and talk. I don't want the drivers on the same team. I want them yeah. to be against each other and, and foes to get And I mean, Again, they have they're the ones risking their lives. They're the ones going out there and racing. But there's other people that are willing to step into those roles. And so if you don't mm-hmm. like it, then go race somewhere else. And yeah, the, the driver and I'm not, I'm not saying the driver shouldn't that. complain. I like the drivers complain. I want them to have a personality. I want them to have opinions. Mm-hmm. But their opinions shouldn't and just like the fans, just like you said, the, those opinions shouldn't take as much weight as they do. NASCAR needs to make the decision that's right for NASCAR and think of their job is to think of everything. The yep. drivers care about what the drivers think. The teams care about the teams. The fans care about the fans. Everybody cares about their own piece of the pie. NASCAR's job is to care about everything and put out the package that's best for everything. Mm-hmm. So Yep, and, and I think that's just... I mean, you, you look at any sport, there's a lot of unhappiness, whether it's 
you know, athletes, fans, whatever. It, it, there's always something to be unhappy about. Yep. Uh, and NASCAR more so, I think, than any other sport with so many so much noise. It's just it, it can be it can be very, very difficult to, to deal with sometimes, you know, yep. <clears throat> let me let me get out of my soapbox for one more thing on this. And I saw several tweets this weekend. I was watching the NASCAR Twitter world very closely. Saw several tweets this weekend suggesting that NASCAR needs an IRL uh, cart split to straighten them out. And you guys are insane. That's so stupid. That will end NASCAR. Because when IndyCar and cart did it, it almost killed both of them. And that was at a time when there were way more people coming to these races. Yeah. Way more people. These were much bigger audiences than what we have now. If you split NASCAR like that, you start a rival organization, you end NASCAR. And that is not what we need. No, period. You can't even get, no, there's <laughs> so stupid. I, I, I'm not going to get on a soapbox and get angry, but <laughs> we live in a world where we can't even have two football leagues and it's the right. most popular sport in the world. You think NASCAR auto, stock car auto racing is going to survive if you have two, you know, major levels. No, yep. it's not going to happen. Well, I mean, IndyCar and NASCAR are talking about, you know, working together on stuff. I mean, that's that just goes to show you, you were there. You would uh -huh. never have seen 20 years ago an open wheel organization and a, and a stock car organization work together. Never. Yeah. Well, and, you know, President Trump, you know, kudos to him, was talking <laughs> about NASCAR while he had, uh, you know, the uh, the Indy 500 champions at the White House. Yeah. OK, next topic. <laughs> uh, one more. I thought he could. To get us there, man. That's all I'm saying is, you know, maybe you know, maybe President Trump's trying to help us here. I don't know. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, one last thing on Michigan before we move on um, and put the Irish Hills in the rearview mirror for now until August. Um, the the big news of the weekend, I guess, was the, the postponement of the race. NASCAR worked their butts off all day Sunday to try to get the race in. Radar looked really promising. Looked like we were going to start at three and be able to get at least a good chunk of the race in before the rain came. And then Mother Nature did its thing and decided to pop up a bunch of showers right in the open area, and we had rain all day. Um, NASCAR decided to move the race to Monday, which is not unprecedented. Happens a lot. However, we had World Cup soccer, right? It was World Cup, Women's World Cup yep. mm -hmm. on Fox, and so the network got some say in the deal, and NASCAR decided to have the race start at 5 p.m. on Monday. Um, James, I know what your thought is on this, but what, uh, let the fans know what your thought is on that decision. I love that decision. <laughs> Every postponed race on Monday should be at five. Come on. It's makes the numbers don't lie. The, so they ran Dover at their normal Monday rain out time, yep. whatever, 10 or, 10 or 11 viewership for Michigan up 98% from what viewership was from Dover. Right. It's a no brainer. Run it at five, let people go to work and go home and watch the race. It's prime time. It's beautiful. I love it. couple things I'll say. Um, first of all, for the people that said that they should have run at 10 o'clock in the morning, like they normally do. I got to the track at, I think 1240 or so, and it was still missing. So you weren't getting 10, 10 AM start. You could have started the race probably about two or three and you'd have been fine. It, but I'll tell you what, when the race started at five, it was the first time the sun came out all day. And then we had sun multiple times during the race. Um, I hated the decision immediately when I heard they were going <laughs> to do it because I was there. And this meant that now I yes. had was coming yeah. home late. Um, and I get it for the fans that are, that are scheduled to be there and, 
And now, you know, they're expecting that, well, we can stay for a few extra hours on Monday when we're going to leave Monday morning and we'll catch the race and then go home. And then didn't have that opportunity because they had to be at work on Tuesday morning. And I sympathize with those fans. Um, But sorry, fans, for one, NASCAR is becoming a TV sport. And so the decisions are going to be made based on TV. And they already have been. I know you guys have noticed the later starts during the summer that we start races at two and three in the afternoon. And that's mm-hmm. because of TV, because that's when people watch on TV. And you've seen, you know, attendance decline at the races, but the ratings have gone up this year. So where do you think they're going to focus? And I think it was the right decision. And the, the one reason that I'm okay with it, the biggest reason that I'm okay with it, because to me, I'm media. I was there. It didn't, I mean, it cost me the hotel, whatever. I stayed an extra night. And so it cost me, but I didn't lose out on the tickets if I wouldn't have gone. If I'd have just went home Sunday night, I've no biggie. It would have been the same amount that I would have paid otherwise. But ISC and SMI did a thing this year. Well, SMI did it last year. ISC did it this year, where if your race is rained out or your race is postponed, that you can exchange those tickets for another ticket at any other track, including the same track for the following race if they have two races, um, for free. And that I think makes it okay. Because you are not out the ticket. I understand that you spent the money to go camping. It's probably, for a lot of people, it's their one vacation. But you still have an opportunity to redeem that ticket. It's not worthless. I was there the year. I had tickets the year that NASCAR rained the race out at Michigan until Tuesday. I didn't go. I ate the cost of those tickets, and it bummed me out. And I actually didn't go back to the track for about three years afterwards. That's not a problem anymore. And nobody can control Mother Nature. Nobody can stop Mother Nature from raining. They can't build roofs over the top of these tracks. The tracks now have done what they can do to accommodate the fans in these situations. And for the TV audience, it was the best decision. And I'll tell you what, personally, being at the track, I think you got to see a race like you wouldn't have seen had they run at 10 o'clock in the morning. Because Mm -hmm. when you run those 10 a.m. races, everybody's just out there to do their thing. They want to get done. They just log laps and they finish the race and nothing happens in those races. But that Monday night race was like a normal race. And it was great. Yep. I loved it, man. Yeah. I hope they do it more. I loved it. No, and if, I, it wasn't, I agree. if it wasn't done because of soccer, people wouldn't have been bitching as much as they were, but because yep. they thought soccer was getting the upper hand. But you know what? Here's the thing, guys. How mad do you guys get when you miss the start of a race because a baseball game goes long? So what about those soccer people that want to watch soccer, which, by the way, is a hugely popular sport. They want to watch soccer and you want to cut into their, their coverage with a NASCAR race when it could have run at five. I'm yep. totally all right with that decision, what they did. Yeah. No, absolutely. If the, the TV partner gets to pick and choose because yep. they're the ones forking up the money. So exactly. tough break. I loved it because I got to come home and, you know, do stuff around the house, listen to the race for a little bit and then, you know, watch the end. So, yeah, I stayed fantastic. through the media stuff. I didn't I didn't like rush out of there. I still had time to go on the front stretch and get a quiet track photo and get to experience the track at night. And I got home at 1 a.m. Big deal. You it beat was, my over under. I, right? I had you. I had you. I had you at two a.m. That's. I was amazed. Well, I tell you what. That. I was watching my time, and it was saying I was going to get home at twelve fifty nine, and then or twelve fifty, and as I'm, I, I was planning on stopping halfway home, and as I got to that halfway point, I looked down, and it was down to twelve forty eight, and it's like I'm going to stop here, and I'm going to gain fifteen minutes, and I'm going to go home <laughs> after one. And I'm like, nope, I'm not stopping. <laughs> so I Keep went straight through, man. Never stopped. That's awesome. Good. So. Oh, man. 
All right, we got a couple news things real quick that we'll bust through. Not a lot has happened since the race, obviously, since it was it was just on Monday. Yeah, and we got an off week this week, so there's usually it's usually quiet leading yes. into an off week. Everybody's like <laughs> running to the hills to to go on vacation. Right, so. we're long here. We already we started late tonight, so it's late. So we'll bust through these kind of quick. Uh, one of these may trigger a little bit longer conversation because James and I have already been duking it out on Twitter over it. Fantastic. Um, but first of all, Haley Deegan got her third career Canon Series victory this weekend. With another controversial move, she's at least had two for her wins. I think she's had one for all three, has she not? Uh, I think she's got the bump and run figured out a little while. Yeah. Not so much the bump and run in this instance, but... Yeah, yeah, she spun her teammate to win the race. Her teammate roughed her up a little bit the lap before. Um, what do you think on it, James? Did you get to see the replay? It, oh, yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. What do you think? And you like it or is, was it too much? Were, people were outraged. Here's what I'm going to say. If you were mad at Denny Hamlin for dumping Chase Elliott... At Martinsville a couple of years ago, you cannot be for this move that Haley Deegan did. Yeah, that's I, that's what I'm going to say, because she dumped him. And, and it's not I, I'm not a fan of the dump. However, it's pretty damn exciting when Haley Deegan wins. <laughs> so it's good. It is good fodder, man. I, I mean, it's uh, she's a good driver. I, I don't think she needs to be dumping people, but. You know, in my opinion, there's uh, there, we've talked about this a million times, Eric. There's the there's the bump and run. There's shoving somebody up out of the way, and there's completely dumping them. And yeah. she 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 dumped him. Yeah, she dumped him in this instance. So here's a couple things. First of all, it's short track. Um, yep. This is what we've come to expect from the big leagues on short tracks. So I'm okay with it because of that reason. Second of all, it's Haley Deegan. You guys know who her dad is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want her to put her elbows up. I want her to be rough around the edges. That's what I want out of Haley Deegan. She's definitely more interesting when she drives this way. That's for sure. Yep. Third, she owned it. She got on, tw yep. on Twitter the next day, said, he roughed me up. I'm not going to stand for it. I'm going to do it back to him. She did not back down from the move. And I think Haley Deegan would be she, just fine with somebody doing it to her and would expect it. She has got, I, I try not to say it, be politically incorrect. She's tough. Yeah. <laughs> she is tough, man. I like, I like her. I, really I do. do. I hope I do. that she has what it looks like she has. Because this is something she has what Danica Patrick never did. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, she gets it, man. She yep. gets it. And you know what? I like the fact that she's in the K&N series again this year. They could have moved her up. They could have bumped her up quick. Nope. She's running another year in the K&N series. Need to get the experience on the lower level. Um, lastly, I will say Haley Deegan needs to get herself a clean win. <laughs> yeah, she does. She, she needs does. to show that she can win without wrecking somebody to prove that she can handle the big leagues because you're not going to be able to wreck somebody to win at Michigan or Daytona or wherever. Yeah. Once you get to the big leagues, you need to be able to make a clean pass to win a race. Yeah. If your competitors don't respect you, it's going to be even harder on yeah. you. Especially you're a woman. You're already going to deal with all of that. Um, whether yep. you should or shouldn't, you're going to deal with it. They're going to be Listen, tougher man. on you. Joey Logano was not respected for a long yeah. time. He's still not. No, I absolutely not. Yeah. He's still not respected, but um, eventually he earned enough respect, but right. you know, remember you, people forget how hard it was for Joey Logano for a yep. long time, yep. uh, to, to, to make it through the sport. So yeah, she's got to clean it up a little bit and get a clean win. Um, so yeah, but Hey, you know what? She's, she's good media. That's for sure, man. Yeah. She's bringing lots of eyeballs. So that's cool. Good stuff. She knows social media. She's uh she's a good kid. I hope she does well. Like I said, Got to, I didn't get a chat, chat with her, but got to see her at uh, Eldora last year, and she was great with the media. So mm -hmm. I'm excited. I hope, uh, hope she does well, and hope she keeps it up, and can't wait to see her in uh, in one of the big series down the road, but not too quick. 
Um, here's a good one. So Friday night at the Gaming World Truck Series. No, what is it? Gander Outdoors Truck Gander Series Outdoors. race. Gander Outdoors, yes, Gander Outdoors. At Texas Motor Speedway, we had a Truck Series race, and it was a wild Truck Series race. They didn't put down the sticky stuff because, of course, the Indy cars were racing there, and they have no interest in running that stuff. No. And so we already have a treacherous track with grip compound put down, and when you take it away, it's even worse. And we tore up some trucks Friday night, but coming home ahead of everybody – in his first race in like 5,000 some days. 6,000 days, 6, 000, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Greg Biffle gets the win in Kyle Busch's truck at Texas Motor Speedway. He becomes the winner of the first race of the Triple Truck, triple truck Challenge bonus. Gets the bonus money for it. A lot of talk on Saturday at the, at the track in MIS on whether he would run in Iowa this weekend because we've got three races in a row that are part of this bonus. Iowa and Gateway. Um, Kyle saying that he was going to look and see what he had to do to put together a ride. So, so, um, Biffle could come and defend there and potentially win the full bonus, which he'd be the only one eligible to do so. And then NASCAR announced on, uh, Saturday that he is not eligible because he was not on the entry list for the Iowa race. However, there was still time for him to get on the entry list for gateway. And I forgot to check before I came on the air. I heard them talking on, on Sirius. I don't know if he's been declared, as an entry for gateway or not, but there's a lot know. of talk yeah. for it. Um, so first of all, what do you think Greg Biffle coming back and winning the truck series, James? I think it's pretty cool, man. <laughs> it's a great story that Greg came back and won. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> go for it. You Come and, on, man. I'm no, leaving you, it. I'm leaving it there listen, for you, man here. All right. So you and I <laughs> went at it on Twitter a little bit. And I think there was a maybe a middle, <sighs> little misunderstanding. And I, and I will own that. I took an open shot at Kyle Busch racing in the minor <laughs> leagues, the, which I do. I do that from time to time. I can't yeah. help myself. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. And here's what I was trying to say on Twitter this week. <laughs> People do not realize how good you will got these guys who race in the cup series really are. Right. Somebody like Greg Biffle was a perennial championship contender at one point. If he goes down to the truck series in the best equipment, of course he's going to be good and doesn't necessarily have to win, but it's not surprising that somebody like Greg Biffle can come in and win in the truck series compared to his uh, counterparts that he's racing against. Right. Which then led me to say, it's no surprise that Kyle Busch racing in the best equipment wins all the time. That's well, what, and there was, there was that, that's, what, that, that's what set you off a little bit. Which well, is, which no, is, a lot of it had more to do with you were you were very critical of Kyle making another comment about Todd Gilliland indirectly. Yeah, I, I was that that was earlier in the week, and that really ticked me off. Yeah. yeah. So Kyle like, made a comment during the press conference on Friday that, again, if you can't win in a KBM truck, you should go home, and. So I drew a parallel to you were kind of commenting on Greg Biffle coming in as a washed up retired NASCAR driver and still being able to come out and win a race like this in the truck series as proof that, you know, it's not all Kyle Busch being spectacular, which I can think is where the misunderstanding was. It has to do with his equipment. And my argument was then if that's the case, then Kyle has every right to say that Todd Gillen needs to win in that car because if Todd Gillen can't win in that truck, he sure as heck ain't going to win in the cup series. Right, and Todd Gillen isn't going to win the Cup Series right now. That's no. that's for dang sure. No, but my here's the here's the deal, man. <laughs> Nobody is as talented as Kyle Busch. No, and I think Kyle Busch's expectations of his younger drivers needs to just be settled a little bit. Here's the disagreement that I have with you on that, and of course I was I was late in here today, so I didn't get a chance to put the stats together. But let's just let's just think. Let's let's take a moment and go back 
through the drivers who've run for KBM before. And let's look at the drivers who won in KBM trucks and look at the drivers who didn't win in KBM trucks and where they're at right now. Oh, I can get this list for you really quick too. So you keep, you keep filibustering. So if if you look at it, you start to look at drivers like Eric Jones and Eric Jones only has what he's got. He's got one win in the cup series, right? Not two, just has the one, one win in the cup series. He's got a win in the trucks cup series. He's won in the Xfinity series. Obviously he did really well in the Xfinity series. Um, He was very successful in the truck series. Um, we look at somebody like, okay, let's look at Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace had two wins or three wins in the truck series in a KBM truck. Love Bubba to death. He's a great driver, but he came to the Xfinity series. He was decent, but kind of, yeah. And then the cup series, of course, he's in an underfunded car, but he's not setting the world on fire in the cup series. Um, trying to think William Byron was a KBM, wasn't he? Yes, he was. So William Byron was KBM. He was excellent in the KBM car. He came to the Xfinity Series, set the world on fire in the Xfinity Series. He's in the Cup Series struggling a little bit, but he's been really good in the tr- in the Cup Series so far. He's obviously he's getting running. better, and he's really young. Yeah. Yes. So, and I'm sure I, I don't. Again, I don't have the list in front of me. I don't know if you found the list. I got, James. I've got the list of winners in KBM. So how wrong am I? Am I? Are there, is there an outlier there that did really well or did terrible in a KBM truck, and then came out and has been setting the world on fire in the other two series? So here are the winners of KBM trucks. Okay. Ready? Yes. Just re- there's a re- I'm not going to go through the whole list, but here's recent guys. Okay. So we got Greg Biffle, okay. and there's a bunch of Kyle Butches in here. Right. <laughs> Noah, Noah Noah Gregson, two yep. wins that I'm seeing right in front of me. Then but Christopher again, Bell. only two wins for Noah Gregson. He mm-hmm. is not setting the world on fire in the Xfinity Series right now. Nope. Christopher Bell, a bunch of wins for Christopher <laughs> Bell. And we know what Christopher yep. Bell has done. <laughs> yep. William Byron, a bunch of wins. Daniel Suarez has a win. Uh, let me see. Eric Jones has a handful of wins. Uh, you said Bubba Wallace. He's got one, two, three, four, Did he get five. Wow. He yeah. got that many. Yeah. Well, he remember he won that Eldora race too, which is. Yeah. The Eldora was like a second win, I think though. Yeah. He won yeah, the Eldora won... and he won at Martinsville. And those are the only but two Martin's that I really remembered. Gateway, Eldora, Martinsville again, and Homestead. So he's got a mile hmm. and a half. Okay. There. Uh, and mixed in there's a bunch of Eric Joneses. And then the other winners for Kyle Busch Motorsports include Denny Hamlin, Casey Kane, Brian Scott, and that is it. Okay. Those are your winners for KBM. Okay. All so, so the drivers who haven't won in KBM trucks, we don't know that. We don't have that list. Yeah. Well, I got. Hold on. We got a long list in front of us here. <laughs> anybody so, that stands. That's the one I want. Is there anybody on that list that didn't win in a KBM truck that now is a winner? All right. Here we go. So we're going back through. We've got. Boy. Because I don't think you're going to find one. There's not a lot. Uh, Cody Coughlin's on this list. Matt Tift is on this list. Not Greg Galding. Not setting the world on fire. Justin Boston. That that was a whole. That was a debacle. Yeah. That Justin Boston situation was not. It was not good. <laughs> uh, Chad Hankerbrock. Remember him? Nope. Scott Bloomquist is on this list. Yeah, remember that, that one? Doesn't count. But yeah, that one. Eldora. Yeah. Yeah, when he took the sway bar off the truck like a fool. <laughs> David Mayhew. <laughs> Jason Leffler. Josh Richards, Kimmy Raikkonen yeah. is on this list. So those are Tyler Malsum go, going way back. Johnny Benson, if you want to go all the way back. Yeah. So, that's so if Todd Gilliland can't win a KBM truck, he might as well go home. <laughs> True. I think the point's been made. Fair. I don't think Kyle's wrong. Fair, but... <laughs> Is that I agree that he shouldn't be so critical in the public. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that what you want your leader doing? That is true. That? I I will I will agree with that. Kyle's not wrong. He's just wrong in his execution. Yeah, I mean, 
And Todd Gillen and Harrison Burton is also very young. Yeah. But Todd Gillen, I mean, he's 19 years old, man. He's a baby. Yeah, but William Byron was running the KBM truck and he'd run like a year of racing. I know, but I know William, William Byron, Byron is a not human. It, and Eric Jones is in that William Byron's case too. William Byron. Yeah, but or, Eric uh, Jones Eric, race. I mean, I, I watched Eric Jones at Dixie Speedway run a ASA I late know. model, you know, he did sneaky, come up. Sneaky fact about Eric Jones. He's younger than Christopher Bell people, just <laughs> in case anybody forgot that. That's so, scary. Yes, but Which that, you, we not, know we know James's thought on Eric Jones that Eric Jones that talent is untapped still. He has not I, gotten to and I agree that he has not, not gotten there. to showcase the talent yet. These guys I've, are young. I've seen the talent at the at the lower level. There is a lot of talent there with Eric Jones. Yeah, we've seen. Yeah, we've Eric seen. Eric Jones talent. is a potential NASCAR star. He'll get there, man. Joey Logano took him a while. It takes yep. time for some of these guys. Hey, it, it, it might really take does. it might take a different manufacturer. It might take a different team. Maybe sure. it's just not working with JGR. It does not, no matter how good that team is, if you don't gel with that team, sorry, don't, right. it don't matter. Yep. And that, that was the way it was for Joey Logano. He got out of there and, yep. you know, lit the world on fire. So, yep. yeah, man. I mean, it's great equipment. There's no doubt. And having a talent like Greg Biffle, even at, even at you know, he's, he's approaching 50 years old. But Greg Biffle, man, really damn good race car driver for a long time. It doesn't. I don't care how long he's been out of the seat. That dude was a perennial championship contender for many years. He's a damn good race car driver, and he's got a ton of experience. So if he came in and won a race, I'm not c- compared to the seat time of a 19 year old. I'm not that surprised that he can do that. So I have two questions for you. That since we got off on a tangent, let's get back to this. Um, a not eligible for the triple truck challenge at Iowa. Should he be? Should NASCAR make an exception and allow him to be eligible? And second of all, are, second nope. of all is. Um, should Kyle put him in the truck? I mean, should, should Biffle get a truck ride? Well, Kyle's Kyle's very limited in the amount of races he can run. Right. Why not? I mean, shoot, Ross Chastain's going to run for the championship. I loved the truck series when it was the young kids coming up and the elder statesmen. When, when Johnny Benson was running the series and Bobby Hamilton was running the series, Ron Hornaday, Ron Hornaday, Todd Bodine, although I couldn't stand Todd Bodine. But I love seeing those guys in the series. I like seeing that mix of veterans and young drivers. I thought the truck series was perfect for Mark Martin. I would have loved to see Mark Martin finish his career yeah, in the Mark, truck series. Yeah, Mark just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So just, I personally, I think, stick him in a truck, let him run the series. Um, I disagree with you, James. I believe that NASCAR famously, and this was referenced by several people, NASCAR yeah, famously I, I added say. a 13th car <laughs> yeah, yeah. to its 12 race or 12 team playoffs. Um, yeah. NASCAR is willing to bend the rules when it suits them. And I agree. Dave Moody mentioned today that we are still talking about them adding a 13th car to the playoffs. Yeah. We don't despite do the that. fact that it was many, 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 many years ago that it happened. And that's a reason they shouldn't do it. But I say, make the freaking exception who loses. Nobody loses on this deal. Let him run for the money. He's not going to win it anyway. He's not going to, he's not going to win all three races, guys. He's not going to Biffle's great. Think, he's got a good truck. He's not going to win all three races. He, I think o- next year. he only won that race at Texas because half the field wrecked out and Biffle's smart enough not to run like an idiot and exactly. wreck his truck like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. That's that experience factor. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm on the side of don't, if you got the rules, man, don't be messing with them. It gets only gets you in trouble. So I have one other question box. for you. Um, kind of related to this. So last week we talked about um, Ross Chastain moving to the truck series and the fact that he is allowed to run for the championship because he can, he can get a waiver based on the fact that he has run in the series and he's been running the other series. So he's eligible for the championship. 
Um, Greg Biffle, however, now has a win. He is not eligible to run for the championship this year because you don't get a waiver because you're you he's not attempted ride. to qualify. Right. You don't you don't get a waiver because you don't have a ride. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't hurt. He was just a, a choice that he was not in the Okay in the with series. that, or is that ridiculous? I think if he comes in and wants to run for the championship, what's it gonna hurt? I I don't that exactly. doesn't bother me as much. I am really I'm so annoyed with this waiver BS. Because it's just you get a waiver, you get a waiver. Oh no, sorry, you're not gonna waiver. You had a Cup Series champion run two thirds of a season. Exactly. I mean, what, the, I know, think what the waiver say? exists already in that if you can't get in the top twenty in points or whatever it is for that series, if you can't get to that point in the points, then you're not eligible to run for it. Otherwise, that waiver shouldn't exist. If you want to run half the season and you can pull it off and still win the championship, and you're not competing in one of the other series, go for it. Right. I, I don't I don't like it. I don't like yeah, that. I know. I hate that they Biffle should be able to run for the championship. I know. I, I do hate that they designate points to picking a series. That's so stupid sometimes. Yep. yep. And I'm I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay with the, the Ross Chastain thing mm-hmm. that his win doesn't count because he wasn't declaring points for that. But Biffle right. and I'm not saying Biffle wants to run for the championship, but Kyle theoretically could let him run for the championship. Now he's got a car in the in the playoffs. Yeah, for I sure. I think they should be able to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I just think the whole thing's silly that the picking and choosing is ridiculous. So I know. if, if anybody says really quick, if anybody wants a fun little uh, racing reference rabbit hole, <laughs> go look at the Mark Martin's statistics for the 2006 truck series season and look how freaking dominant he was. <laughs> yeah. It's just fantastic. 14 races, six wins, 12 top tens. And he led 661 laps well what about it's, what about casey kane casey kane only ran like three trucks yeah casey kane is the greatest truck series yeah casey kane's the greatest truck series driver of all time too, casey kane so. basically ran truck series races until he lost one and then he was done yep <laughs> yep he went with the elimination model yep yep um little small news item alex bowman announced on friday that he is going to honor tim richmond at darlington with the tim richmond paint scheme which i think is sweet it's a good looking car. Um, cool looking car. Uh, I will say that the absolute best looking car is, and I don't remember who drives it, the number 11 car for the Xfinity series. Ryan Sieg? Justin Haley. Justin Haley? Justin there we Haley go. With, with the Ray Bestis paint scheme, which is my favorite paint scheme of all time in NASCAR. Erica save. Actually, I take that save. back. It is my second favorite paint scheme because my favorite Ray Bestis paint scheme is the gradient on the door that Jeff Burton ran. But, yeah, that's what I thought you were. I, I said there's room for one more. Yep. With with your with your favorite paint scheme. I will say the 12 car, driven by uh, um, Hut Strickland with the Raybesta scheme, which is this scheme, was pretty sweet too. Although I believe they're basing it off the Jeff Burton scheme, the original Jeff Burton off scheme. Eight. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, um, Alex Bowman going to honor, honor Tim Richmond at at Darlington. Uh, found out today that Nationwide will be gone as a sponsor at the end of this year. Yeah, bummer news. Bummer news. Um, yeah, and you say you got in here in the notes that uh, Hendrick says he's safe through 2020 and beyond. Yep. Bowman is signed through 2020, and Hendrick basically said he has a long-term future here. So whatever that means, they're they're looking for part-time sponsorship. Nationwide, not a full-season sponsor, but a big chunk of the 88 car. So that's a bummer for uh, for them. Getting to see uh, Bowman in the press conference prior or on Friday when he announced the paint scheme, um, I have a little bit different opinion of him now. I mean, I, I, he was pretty personable in there and it was fun to hear him talk about Tim Richmond. He wasn't really even paying much attention to NASCAR when Tim Richmond was racing, but being the history at Hendrick and, and knowing that history and learning about Tim Richmond over the years, he was pretty excited and he wanted to run this paint scheme. So, um, of course that's all marketing talk cause he's told to say that stuff, but, 
Um, yeah. I don't know. I thought he he did well in the interview, and and I was I was pretty impressed. So um, I haven't yeah. had anything against Alex Bowman. I think there's a lot more personality there, and a lot more he can show, and I don't think he has. Yeah, um, if he starts winning, yeah. that, that that changes things. But he's just not quite there yet. I'm and a fan. He's been close. I've been I've been enjoying watching what he's done this year so far, and I think yeah, he's getting close. He's he's definitely he's definitely good enough where he's not an odd man out at Hendrick. Yep. That's that's yep. a lot. That that's saying a lot. It's like, hard to step. It's good. You got you had Chase Elliott who stepped in Jeff Gordon's shoes, which is a whole nother level. But to have to step into Dale Jr.'s shoes and and run Dale Jr.'s car, that's and sponsor. Yeah, that's a yeah. huge deal. And just the fact that Nationwide stuck by as much as they did, I mean, good on Nationwide. And I believe that announcement that you sent to me mentioned that he's still going to do stuff with Junior and stuff too, right? Yeah, and Nationwide will mean. have Junior. Yep, Junior will still be a spokesman. But they are they're doing they did the whole we're realigning our marketing speak. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a bummer. Okay. Um, I felt like there was one other thing I wanted to mention that wasn't in the notes, but I can't remember what it is. So we have the off week this week. Uh, we will have a podcast next week. If there's any news or anything that breaks, which we don't expect it to, um, we'll pop on and do something with that. But with that podcast, um, we I have – so on, on Friday, you heard a little clip from it. I got to talk to Jimmy Johnson a little bit during uh, one of the press conferences – and then on Sunday morning, myself and four other reporters got an exclusive with Kevin Mendering, who's Jimmy Johnson's crew chief, uh, because he's from Michigan. So we pulled it, they pulled in a, a few of us Michigan reporters and got a chance to talk to him for about 15 minutes. And I, I haven't cut it up yet, so I don't know how it's going to exactly go. Um, but I will have that. We'll have that audio next week with a little bit of explanation from it. Um, that'll be next week's podcast. So there will be a podcast next week, but it won't be a normal podcast. So on that note, we're going to go through our previews really quick for the Toyota Save Mart 350 from Sonoma Raceway. The return of the carousel. The carousel is back. I didn't have time to pull the excited Eric has been all year. <laughs> I didn't have time to pull the audio from it, but there were several drivers that were asked about the carousel and how they're preparing for it um, based on this new, you know, new wrinkle that they have to deal with. So the interesting fact is that none of the current drivers in the Cup Series have run in the cup series with the carousel. It's been that long since the run. Um, Kevin Harvick has run it before in a K and N series race. I believe he said, or a Southwest tour race. Um, other than that, I don't believe anybody's run it. Kurt Busch said he didn't run it. Um, I think it was Kurt or maybe it was Kyle. One of them said they, they ran legends there, but at that time it was right after they'd gotten rid of it for the track. So everybody else is used to the old track. Um, we get the carousel back. I, I'm just excited about it for the nostalgia. I don't think it's going to add anything to the race. I don't think it's going to change the race. Um, I just like the fact that it's back. So, mm-hmm. um, with, I like it too. With I that, it's cool. With that note, it's road race uh, bound to be some excitement. And James gets the first pick, and I think he already told us who he is picking. Yes, Kurt Busch. <laughs> Kurt Busch for James. Yep. I am going to go a different direction, and I'm going to go with somebody that needs to bounce back after a really crappy race this weekend. Somebody who said in their press conference at Michigan that they're very excited about going to Sonoma and ready to get themselves a win there. I'm going to go with Mr. Clint Boyer. As my yeah, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's um, his average finish. I think he's the best in the series. Ten point one. He is. And I didn't even look at that. I did not even base my yep. pick off of that. So, yep, he is the best in the series. Thirteen races. He has ten top tens. So that's a pretty safe pick. I like that. There you go. Um, Dark Horse. That's a tough one. I am going to go Daniel Suarez just for the heck of it. No really reason. Mm. He's he's a Mexican driver and I assume comes from a little bit of a road course background. Because yeah, he's run a lot of road courses, yeah. So I'm going to say Daniel Suarez. There you go. Mm-hmm. 
My dark horse, uh, I'm going to go Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman, that's a good one. Yeah, I usually go Michael McDowell, but he's really been disappointing me on the road courses lately, so i got to yeah. step up my game. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other dark horses that jump out at me as potential good picks. I think Chris Buescher is a good dark horse pick every week right now. Um, yeah, Chris Buescher, man. I, he's running really well. They've been impressive. So other than that, I don't think really anybody jumps out at me as a yeah, dark horse. Yeah, nothing, nothing screams out. Suarez is kind of cheating as a dark horse. He's so high up in the average finish list, but he's only run two races there. So yeah, I it's mean, anomaly. Yeah, like if Jamie McMurray was still running, he'd be an interesting dark horse pick. Yeah. Uh, he was decent, not great. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think if anybody else has run good. You know, Denny Hamlin, not, he wouldn't qualify as a dark horse, but uh, he's been got, he's getting better at his road course racing over yeah. the years. But, yeah, nobody else really sticks out as a dark horse. It is one of those races that somebody from the back could really sneak in and that you're not expecting. But it's not like that anymore. You don't get the ringer thing or anything anymore. You don't have Almendinger out there anymore either. You know, he was always good. Marcos Ambrose. Yeah. You know, had, that was, was fun. Juan Pablo Montoya. Those guys, you know, they were always fun while they were here. You know, they could sneak a win in. These guys are so good anymore that yeah, there's no... There's none of that stuff anymore. So. You got to go with a veteran, though. These guys that have run these races for a long time. Um, but you, you know, then again, Brian Blaney won the Roval. You know, and that's that came out of nowhere. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. Brian Blaney is, would be an interesting pick. I'd almost Even though call him a dark two, horse. It was two, two grizzled veterans battling it out that allowed him to win the Roval. But would would Brian Blaney be a dark horse pick? He's only got For two some, wins, but one of them is a road course. Yeah, Sonoma. Uh, let me see. Where does he stand at Sonoma? Let me see. He's down I think the list. Get away with Ryan Blaney's a dark horse. He has three starts. He does have one top ten finish. Uh, nothing spectacular though. No laps led. Uh, yeah. I, no. I think you call him a dark horse. I'm not changing mine. I'm gonna stick with it. No, no. Yeah, that's good. So I did not check the fantasy league at all I, after the race. You're full of crap. I, I honestly, I just checked it right now. I just put you my arms changing, up in the air. You were changing the lineup during the race. I while you were... never touched it. Uh -huh. I, I had a system this week and I'm not going to tell you what my system was, but I had a strategy this week and it worked out. It looks like, cause I got 206 points for the win. Um, Todd, One. Todd said he threw everything at it this weekend and he finished fifth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Todd, wrong strategy, man. I didn't make the sub that I had. Had I made the sub that I was planning on, I had it in my head, James, make the sub, and I didn't do it, and I stuck with Chase Elliott over Kyle Busch, and it cost me the win by a lot. I would have won by a lot, but I screwed up. I actually had Martin Truex on my bench. But I man, I, on the bench. I just, I mean, I had Larson. Larson was my first pick. Um, if I had put, in Tru put Truex in for Larson, I would have won by significantly more because I had Harvick, I had Joey Logano, I had Brad Keselowski, I had Kurt Busch. If I'd have had Martin Truex in there, man, it would have been. So I'll tell you what. Here's the thing, guys. You always talk about fantasy and you think it's a crapshoot. It's not. There, it you can use statistics to make your picks. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I did get the bonus for, for the. I think the first time this year I picked finally picked a stage winner. Yeah. Joey stage one so that that worked out for me but. i did not pick a winner i picked harvick as the winner of the race which would have been right if harvick wouldn't have had his issues i think harvick would have won that race yeah. um but uh yeah i uh I, i'm gonna try my strategy again this week at sonoma yeah. or next week at sonoma and so see what happens so we got the kb show with the win scoters was second 199 not that far back we actually were pretty bunched up at the top uh, i was third uh hurricane dicka freight train justin 713 and ranger runyon Rounded out 
the league in last place this week. And then overall, not much has changed. I'm still like 16 points behind you, fifth and sixth. <laughs> but uh, Justin713 put um, put a gap. There was It was a lot closer at the top, but Ranger had a bad week. So Justin713 leads still. I'm trying to look back through my text messages and see if it was oh i don't think it was through text i feel like i remember todd telling me something along the lines of if he can't get a win at michigan <laughs> that's a problem <laughs> so i'll have to rub it in this friday night when i see him that he did not get a win at michigan but i did <laughs> all right i i just show up for the i show up for the majors man i'll be i'll be back for uh for, for the for the brickyard and I don't know, that might be it. That might be my last shot. <laughs> last yeah. shot. I don't know. I don't know. This is this is James's fantasy. Exactly. <laughs> I am getting better though. I am getting better at this dang thing. Yeah. I started off pretty bad though. <laughs> I don't get to play with the buttons that much, so. I I you know I started out as the Rick Ware, Ware Racing of our league, and I think I've upgraded to the JTD Darty. <laughs> There so, you go. I, I'm I'm yeah. sitting here bragging like it's a big deal. I've won, I think, two of all the races so far. This and did I win another? I think I won one more this season. I think you did, yeah. Early, did. early. Yeah. I thought I was all cocky, like I was going to do good this year, and then I haven't. But this well, new strategy, good now. yeah, yeah. So I'm throwing caution to the wind. I'm going with the strategy, even if I'm running low on on drivers and on starts. I'm going to go with the strategy and see what happens till it, till it bites me in the butt. So. Um, on that note, we will be back next week with, again, a special podcast with Kevin Mendering. Um, and any news, if there's news to talk about, we'll bring James back on and chat with him. Otherwise, I might just throw a couple things at you. Um, Don't forget the shout-outs. Oh, yeah, shout-outs. How do I skip the shout-outs? Go. Yeah, we got good ones this Thanks. week. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, go, get, oh, go with shout-outs. No. Go with shout-outs. Okay, so I got two quick ones. Yeah. Um, the Dirt Late Model Dream was at Eldora, and we put a link in the show notes. If you guys didn't see that finish between <laughs> Brandon Shepard and Dale McDowell. That's good stuff. For 125 grand, awesome, man. Eldora is great, there so great. Uh, and then uh, another quick shout out to my my uh, fellow CMU Chippewas. They did a big thing at MIS. I put a link into that of just kind of showing uh, some of the students getting shown around MIS for a special program that they have. So fire up chips. Had to get them in there. There you so go. Shout out. Um, I always have to shout out somebody that shouts me out, sort of. Um, so frontstretch.com. They had an article up, something about live comments from the track or something like that. And they shared one of my tweets from uh, commenting during the race about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. commenting on the radio about the fact that there was no competition caution scheduled for Sunday. Um, of course, they did have a competition caution on Monday when they weren't trying to rush to get the race in, um, which was essentially Stenhouse's comment. So shout out to them at frontstretch.com for featuring one of my tweets. Also want to give a shout out to Jamie Little, uh, who replied to my Instagram post. Jamie's awesome. Every time I saw her at the track, she works hard, works her butt off. I felt like a Jamie Little stalker because I felt like everywhere I turned, there was Jamie Little. Um, but shout out to her. She was, she was just happy and thrilled to be there all weekend, and I think she's great. I, Jamie is, the, is one person that I want to see get a shot in the booth to, do, to be the lead anchor on one of these races. I'd love to see it. Yeah, she did a great job. So um, I think that was it. I felt like I had one more that I wanted to throw out there from the race. But uh, those are my shout-outs. Now, James, where can they find you on social media during the off week if they want to talk to you? 
at James Cush on Twitter. You can find me at T Super Speedway on Twitter. You'll see all kinds of coverage from this last race, all kinds of tweets, um, including the video of the of Joey Logano blatantly jumping the start despite not getting called for it, and and me and you fighting back and yes. forth. Yes, that yep. too. Uh, there'll be plenty more coming because I will be at the track again. I will be at Chicago Land. That is confirmed now. So Chicago Land Speedway for the NASCAR weekend out there. I'm hoping to even be there for the ARCA race, despite the fact that we had 18 cars at Michigan again and. It was a snooze fest until it turned into a few mileage race at the end and suddenly became a last lap pass for the win on Friday at MIS. Um, I'll also be at Kentucky and the next Michigan race and working on some other things, maybe potentially get to another track or two this year. We'll see. Um, anyway, T super speedway on Twitter for me, you can find the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash the super speedway. Um, one thing I didn't want to mention, I was going to throw it in the shout outs, but NASCAR made some changes to their media stuff this year where it used to be you, if you wanted to talk to a driver, you had to try and set something up and it was difficult to do. Otherwise you hung out on pit road, they get out of their cars, everybody goes and does their things. You go and book it to whichever driver you want to talk to before they run off to their hauler. They've changed it this year to where, first of all, they have, they've always had like two or three drivers in the media center for press conferences on like Friday um, for the media to ask questions to, but that was generally it. Well, now they do a thing where they do these breakout sessions and they'll have chairs against the wall and they have three drivers each. And they did it twice on Friday this year um, at Michigan and the drivers come in and everybody just gathers around them and tosses questions at them. That was my chance to, I got to ask Eric Jones, a couple questions, got to ask Jimmy Johnson, several questions access that I just never would have gotten before. Um, they also do a thing on pit road. They do a bullpen after the race that they set up a little gate you stand at the gate, you wait for the drivers to come by, and as they get out of their car, most of them will come by and answer some questions on their way out. So again, you go to one place, and you get access to probably 10 to 15 drivers, depending on how long you wait around. Um, NASCAR has done a great thing with the media access this year. A big applause to them. I've only dealt with it once at Michigan, so who knows if it's like that every week, but it seemed to be pretty standard from looking at everybody else there dealing with it, and I'm looking forward to experiencing it in Chicago and getting an idea how how normal it is, but... A big applause to NASCAR for making it more friendly to the media when it's tougher for people like me. There's more and more people like me that are covering small numbers of races and doing it as a side thing that don't have the access that the other other reporters do. And it really helps us out to get that access. So big applause to NASCAR on that. Uh, with that, you can find the podcast on our website at thesuperspeedway.com. There is all kinds of coverage from this past weekend at Michigan. Again, there'll be tons of coverage from Chicago coming up. Kentucky and Michigan again, and I'll try and do as much as I can in between. Um, it's tough with the day job, but there's certainly be some stuff on there. You can find the podcast on there as well as our show notes, um, links to the articles we've discussed, links to videos and whatnot, uh, things to check out there. Find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud, wherever you found us today. We hope you continue to subscribe and listen along and enjoy the podcast. We appreciate all the new people that have come on board. Appreciate all the new people that have followed me on Twitter after this weekend. Uh, if any of you like what you hear and you want to continue to support us, become a patron at patreon.com slash the super speedway. Anything else, James? I miss anything? I think that's it, man. You fall asleep over week. there? Sorry, I kind of took over there. No, I was trying to. It's way past my bedtime. Yeah, I know. So I know. I'm losing I'm it. On. All right. On that note, we'll get on out of here, you guys. We got the off week again. Kevin Mendering will be on the podcast next week. We'll do that. And then we'll be back the following week to discuss Sonoma, the Save Mart. Toyota, whatever, 350 at Sonoma Raceway. Until then, everybody, let's go racing.